In Arizona, the status quo simply cannot meet the constitutional mandate to administer meaningful justice to all. In February, Diane Humedawa, a federal judge in Arizona and the former U.S. attorney for the District of Arizona, testified to the House Judiciary Committee about the longstanding, unmet need for more federal judges in her state. Arizona is one of the fastest growing states in the nation, but the number of judges has been stagnant for most of the past three decades. This has caused a legal backlog, and it's been more than 30 years since Congress passed a broad expansion of the judiciary. In that time, the nation's population has grown, technology has raised an array of previously unimaginable legal concerns, and globalization has upended the economy. We hear about this crisis in the courts all the time, but it's been going on for so long that we've stopped treating it as a crisis. This issue has bipartisan support. Even Republicans agreed at the hearing that the nation is overdue for new judges. Well, the decision for new judgeships is overdue. It is also important that we do it on a bipartisan basis. Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez, and I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. In today's episode, we're breaking down why and how this legal bottleneck affects seemingly everyone. We've got two guests joining us today. First, we'll talk with Carl Tobias. He's a law professor at the University of Richmond. He'll discuss the political considerations at the heart of this and how urgent the matter has become in places like Arizona. After that, Democratic Representative Greg Stanton, who is a member of the Judiciary Committee, joins us to explain why he's pushing for an expansion now. Carl, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. So, Carl, the the nation has seen those grueling, contentious confirmation hearings for Supreme Court justices over the past three decades or so. Uh, but the nation's highest court is really only a tiny fraction of the cases that really come before our judges nationally. Give us a sense of why Congress has been fighting so bitterly over the appointment of trial court judges or expanding the judiciary at all. Well, I think it's a function of the partisan nature of the Senate right now and maybe the nation where everything seems to be politicized. But uh, there have been many proposals to create new judgeships, especially in Arizona, over time. But the last time there was a comprehensive judgeships bill was 1990. And so we're three decades past that. And I think the dockets are something like 30% higher than they were at that time. And in Arizona, I'm certain it's much worse just because of the caseload uh, and the need for new judges in Arizona. And so that's where we find ourselves. Just uh, last month, the Judicial Conference, the policymaking arm, of the federal courts recommended that Congress 
um, authorized 77 new district judgeships and two Ninth Circuit new judgeships. Um, and uh, Congress will probably take that up. There was a hearing in February and Democrats and Republicans agreed that there is a compelling need, especially, say, in California and Arizona for new judges and probably at least the number that the Judicial Conference recommended. Uh, at the same time as um, whoever, whichever party does not occupy the White House does not want to give judgeships to the other side. Uh, and so I think Republicans are very reluctant to authorize new judgeships during the presidency of a Democrat, Joe Biden. And so that's where we are, I think. So you referenced this hearing in February. And one thing that really was clear from this hearing on expanding the judiciary is that both parties seem to agree that this is what we should do. They just, as you mentioned, can't seem to sort of accept letting a president from the other party do the picking. So what are some of the ideas that are being kicked around to sort of reduce the more political hurdles on doing this? And does anything seem especially promising given the hyperpartisan nature in Washington? Well, one proposal uh, from Daryl Issa from California, who um, has been pretty high up in the Judiciary Committee and spoke at that hearing, um, would be to split the Ninth Circuit. Uh, but I, many Democrats have said that that's a non-starter for them. So it doesn't seem like that's really a proposal that's likely to go anywhere. Uh, the other possibility is to stagger the uh, time of nomination and confirmation of the uh, new judgeships. So, for example, if the comprehensive bill were to pass now, uh, provide for no judges to be appointed until 2025. That's probably what the Republicans would like to do. Um, and they would hopefully, uh, from their perspective, um, have the president elected in 2024, who would be a Republican and be able to make those appointments. Another compromise could be to stagger them and maybe give uh, President Biden half of them in 2023 uh, after the midterms, and then the other half to be in 2025. So those are some of the ideas uh, that might be able to lead to a compromise for which both parties would vote favorably. So from that February hearing, uh, U.S. District Judge uh, Humetawa and Congressman Greg Stanton from here in Arizona, uh, both of them talked about the consequences of having no permanent judges near Indian country. Uh, what does that mean for holding criminal trials in Arizona in that part of the state and just civil litigation elsewhere in Arizona? Well, it puts a lot of pressure on the judges that you have in Arizona presently. Uh, if 
the I think the judicial conference recommendation is for five more judges uh, in uh, Arizona, and that could make a big difference, it seems to me. Um, but uh, because the judges are stretched so thin by the size of the dockets, you run into issues like the one that Ron is raising, and they are very difficult to resolve. I think there are also a number of senior judges who soldier on and keep the district afloat, but uh, you can only do that for so long. And so hopefully um, Congress will move uh, and authorize judgeships. The other thing I would say just for a second is there, I believe the two senators um, last year from Arizona introduced an Arizona-specific bill as opposed to a comprehensive uh, measure. Uh, and I don't know if they've reintroduced that, uh, but that's certainly a possibility. Um, but uh, I, I don't know uh, whether Congress would pass that either, um, but it's, it's probably more doable and offers more hope for Arizona in the near term than the comprehensive one. And to be clear, Carl, when we talk about the strain on the judges, how does that affect the litigants in, in uh, the courts as well? Well, it has the most impact, I believe, on civil cases. Because under the Speedy Trial Act, criminal cases take precedence. So you have to schedule them within a, a, a certain time, but you can always delay the civil cases. So what it means is civil cases tend to settle, which might look different if the case went to trial or you schedule the trial. Uh, and so there would be pressure to to then enter serious settlement negotiations. If you think about an automobile accident or, uh, you know, a tort of some sort, um, that's what I think you would would see. Um, and of course, it's both um, ordinary people, say injured in automobile accidents, um, as well as corporations um, can't get their day in court. Uh, and so that's the major. Um, problem that I think you get, uh, as well as the pressure on court staff, on court um, litigants, on judges, um, just to do more with fewer resources. So this is really where policy sort of meets the road. So the battles over the judiciary aren't necessarily just about how many judges we should have and who these judges should be. There's also a long-standing effort by Republicans to try to break up the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which covers sort of the Western um, states, but seems pretty dominated right now by California. How, if at all, might the appeals court system figure in any sort of overhaul of the judiciary? I don't think it will. I think the Ninth Circuit and a number of the other appeals courts need more resources as well. And actually, two years earlier, they do the Judicial Conference does these every two years, their recommendations. There was a recommendation for five new judges in the Ninth Circuit, but they scaled that back. Uh, it typically reflects conservative estimates of caseload and, and um, workload. Um, but I think it's so politicized that uh, the Judicial Conference probably thought it was 
discretion was the better part of valor. Um, but I think the solution in the appeals courts is, again, to have more resources. Uh, and no, many measures have been floated for ways to divide the Ninth Circuit. But as Yvonne says, that's easier said than done because over, I think, half of the docket are cases that come from California. And it's not feasible to split California. There have been those kinds of discussions as well. But that just is not workable because you want the same uh, federal law within one state to apply. Um, and so I don't know that there's a good resolution except to have more resources. Um, and, but, and we'll, we'll see. There have been studies of the Ninth Circuit there have been, and many studies of the appeals courts, um, but very little change. Carl, looming above this whole issue of adding district court trial judges um, is that ultimate judicial battleground, the Supreme Court. And after Republicans refused to take up Barack Obama's uh, nomination in the final year of his presidency, then rushed through an opening in the final months of President Trump's presidency, Democrats now are talking pretty openly about expanding the Supreme Court itself. Uh, how much does that fight uh, get in the way of any kind of more comprehensive and holistic look at the federal judiciary at the trial court or appellate level? That's a really good question. And uh, candidate Biden in late October um, talked about court packing in. He has Supreme Court packing, and he has historically not favored that. And he may still not favor it, but he did promise to appoint a commission, which he did um, very recently. And that commission has just met for the first time. They, But the uh, executive order establishing the commission said uh, that it was not to make recommendations, but to study the Supreme Court, its operations, and see if there are ways to improve procedures. I assume that would also include a look at the question of uh, more justices as part of what they would evaluate um, and and uh, do research and report on. That um, group is supposed to report back within 18 days, 180 days of inauguration. Um, and uh, has a lot of excellent uh, members on it. But uh, the executive order doesn't speak to lower federal courts, and I, I'm hopeful that they might at least look at those because, as Ron said earlier, 99% of cases are resolved by the lower federal courts, not by the Supreme Court, because the Supreme Court hears 100 cases a year. Uh, and so that's what you have. Um, so, but I, I think it's a, I think it's possible to disentangle those issues uh, and let the Supreme Court issue go on one track, and hopefully have Congress focus on the lower federal courts uh, on another track, and not let those um, color the other one. Um, there's no reason why they have to be linked, um, and so hopefully Congress would see that. Uh, and treat them separately um, and thoughtfully. 
All right, Professor Tobias, thank you so much for joining us. We usually are only talking with you when we're on deadline or you're busy and it's so frantic. So it's really <laughs> nice to be able to catch up with you in um, a lengthier way. It's great. Thank you. Joining us now is Democratic Congressman Greg Stanton. He's a member of the House Judiciary Committee and helped put an Arizona color to the issue of expanding the federal judiciary at a recent hearing. Congressman, um, a lot of the hearing on this issue dealt with the idea that northern Arizona could have a dedicated federal judge um, in that part of the state instead of the occasional visits that happen now. Why is that important? First off, Arizona has grown so much since the last time there was a significant expansion of the federal uh, judiciary. So we are further behind than almost any other state in the country because not only has the federal judiciary not grown at all for our country despite the caseload growing, but a state like Arizona, which has grown even faster and therefore the caseload has gotten even greater, has fallen further behind. So there's a reason why I am fighting to ensure that Arizona gets its fair share of federal resources for expanding the judiciary. But it's a particular interest to Northern Arizona. And as Judge Hemetua uh, did such a good job at the hearing explaining, it's an issue of justice for our Native American brothers and sisters. Look, you, you, if you're going to federal court, you want to make sure you have a jury of your peers. If our Native American brothers and sisters, particularly on the Navajo Nation, have to come all the way down to Phoenix to serve on a jury, for example, as a practical matter, that's going to be virtually uh, impossible. So we want to make sure we have a dedicated federal judge in northern Arizona because, number one, for the efficient providing of justice in our uh, system, efficient for plaintiffs, efficient for defendants, efficient for court personnel and the lawyers involved, but also juries to make sure that people have a real jury of their peers to make that happen. Right now, it's uh, it's almost impossible to happen under the current circumstances. I know judges like Judge Hamatua do make that trek, and, and it's very kind of them to do so. They shouldn't have to make that trek. We should have a dedicated judge in northern Arizona. And, and by the way, more than just one judge uh, in northern Arizona. We are way behind when it comes to our fair share of federal judges in Arizona. Can you give us a sense of why people outside of the tribes or outside of northern Arizona should care about this issue more broadly? Well, it's also an issue of caseload. Uh, you know, we the, the, if cases are taking such a long period of time, a much longer period of time than they used to the work their way through the system, justice delayed can so often be justice denied. And so it's really important that we get a fair administration of justice and timeliness of being able to, to get a court date, timeliness of being able to get a decision from a judge because it takes judges longer to make decisions, particularly on complex cases, if they don't have the time to actually sit and think and write those decisions because they're in a courtroom all the time because their their caseload is more than uh, more than full. So for the United for the sake of the United States of America, we want to make sure that cases are decided. Uh, fairly and efficiently and within a reasonable period of time. That's not happening uh, right now. We are falling further and further uh, behind. It's the reason why, uh, you know, uh, the governor indicated he he increased the size of the Arizona Supreme Court is because they wanted more cases decided so we can get more uh, more decisions. The same logic would apply to what we're happening uh, with the, the, the need for more federal judges here in, across the country, but particularly acute here in Arizona. 
So um, expanding the federal judiciary seemed to have bipartisan support uh, at the recent hearing. Uh, Democrats and Republicans both uh, sort of accept the premise that we haven't done this in a in a timely way. But now it's the timing of when to do it that seems to be the sticking point and which presidential administration should have the opportunity to fill those seats. Uh, some have called for adding judges on a staggered basis to push at least some of them past the 2024 election. Is that an idea worth considering as a way to break this log jam? Is, you know, what are your thoughts on, on doing this in a new way? Well, number one has to get done, uh, and, and it has to get done in a bipartisan way. So obviously, we're going to have to work with uh, our Republican colleagues in order to get it through uh, the United States uh, Senate. So number one, you are right. The premise that we need more federal judges, although I'm, I'm making the case that I don't want Arizona just to get the same number of new judges as other states that haven't been growing as fast. We need to, in addition to having more federal judges across the judiciary, Arizona in particular needs even more because we've grown so fast. So our caseload and 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 the length of our cases is longer than other parts of the country. So I want to make sure that we get our fair share in light of the growth of our state. I want to make that point because it's a very uh, important point. As how we get this done, that's obviously going to be done through negotiation. Clearly, the idea that you just mentioned is one of the ideas about how to break a log jam. But the, the, the status quo is unacceptable. And I'm going to keep fighting to make sure we, we get our fair share of, of federal judges. We need to get an increase in federal judges. And that's going to go through a negotiation process. Great. Well, thank you, Congressman, so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great one. All right, listeners, let's dive into some afterthoughts. Ron, superficially, this is a bipartisan issue and one that you have covered very well. Both sides agree something should be done, but 30 years after this last expansion, we're still only just sitting here talking about it. How likely do you see this issue being addressed in a meaningful way from Congress? Yeah, so this is really a, a challenging issue, and I think that we've kind of gotten at some of the different layers to this. There's a need, yes, at the trial court level, but there's a bipartisan split as to what to do after that. Republicans want to rearrange the appeals court map. They're pretty unhappy with a lot of what they get from the Ninth Circuit that includes Arizona, but is dominated by California. And they point to that as the most reversed uh, appeals court in the country. Uh, then there's the battles over the Supreme Court, which are intense and get a lot of public attention and sort of point to the, uh, the, the raw partisan fighting over the judiciary that just doesn't seem like it's going to leave us at any point. There are some creative solutions, uh, approaches to this that are being floated, and, and Carl sort of alluded to some of that. But, um, you know, what this requires at base, it seems, is a willingness to finally sort of lay down swords and accept that this is the moment that we move forward. And that's hard to do if you're a Republican, because you've got Democrats in control of the House, Senate, and the White House. And as you know, Yvonne, the, the battles in the Senate, not just over the judiciary, but just moving any kind of legislation are pretty thorny at the moment. Look, it's everything that they can do to, to move just really basic legislation. And um, I think that um, 
both of our senators are probably in a position where they are at first really sort of trying to focus on the art of the possible and talking about the judiciary is not something that um, is a priority, at least at this point. All right. Well, that is it for today, Gaggle listeners. As a courtesy note, audio in today's episode came from the House Committee of the Judiciary on YouTube. And while we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend or two. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Maritza Dominguez. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. Also, be sure to check out Valley 101, an Arizona Republic and AZ Central podcast that answers all of your questions about the Valley. From silly to serious, you ask the questions and we find the answers. For The Gaggle, I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez. We'll see you next week.